Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 3, Episode 5. Today is Thursday, October the 18th. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice is the Alexa Conference, the worldwide gathering of the Alexa development community. The Alexa Conference is taking place January 15th through the 17th in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Most people don't realize Chattanooga, Tennessee is home of the nation's fastest internet. The whole city was built on a very progressive fiber backbone. People always say, is it Google Fiber? No, it's not. It's something else. But uh, the Alexa Conference is going to be a fantastic event. There's four breakout tracks, Alexa in Storytelling, Alexa in Healthcare, Alexa in Consumer Marketing, and Alexa in Smart Home. Um, we just announced uh, last week that Nolan Bushnell is uh, coming to speak as part of the lineup. Uh, his young company is making a major investment into voice games. They've got a murder mystery coming out for the Alexa platform in Q1 of next year. A lot of great stuff going on. Check it out. You'll love it. It's voicefirst.fm slash Alexa conference. We will link to it in the show notes and on the show page. We are very pleased to be joined by a fantastic panel today. Our first guest is Stuart Crane. Stuart, say hello. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me, Bradley. You got it, Stuart. So, Stuart, you are CEO and founder of Voice Metrics. Tell us what Voice Metrics is and tell us what you do for them. Sure. So, Voice Metrics is a, a platform that allows companies to connect their data and allow it to be accessible by voice. Uh, we work with Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. So we mostly cater to software companies, SaaS businesses that want to voice enable their system. So they may have data and they want to come out with a skill for Alexa and Google Assistant and Siri all in one uh, fell swoop. So we can allow them to have a branded skill to that. And we've also kind of worked on it ourselves and used this technology to voice enable business systems that are already out there like Excel, uh, Sheets, QuickBooks Online. Uh, we have an interface to Slack and Teams, and we just are releasing now one for Salesforce. Um, so Salesforce is getting really big into voice. So we have the ability to take your Salesforce dashboard and voice enable that and be able to get any of your metrics or your KPIs out of Salesforce. But So that's really what voice metrics does is allow companies to connect their data and voice enable it. Excellent. Thank you for joining us, Stuart. Our second guest is Ben Fisher. Ben, say hello. Hey, Bradley. Ben, you are CEO and founder of Magic and Company. Tell us, what is Magic and Company? And, you know, how did you start the company? Give us, give us uh, the 411 on, on what Magic and Company is and what y'all do. Sure. So thanks for having us on. Um, we founded Magic about uh, two and a half years ago to provide uh, voice consultancy services to uh, enterprise clients. Um, and over the last two and a half years, you know, we went from a scrappy startup to um, something a little bit more cushy. Um, about 60, 70% of our business is, um, you know, strategic consulting, um, you know, for brands, um, but how to reach consumers on the voice assistance, um, and then also the execution of, of those projects. Um, but, our, you know, about 40, 30% nowadays um, is also um, enabling, you know, voice, putting voice into products. And so that's creating... Uh, either custom custom solutions for brands uh, where they have their own language models, so kind of like creating an Alexa, um, you know, that, but you know, created you know for a brand, but not really using Alexa, um, or you know, putting Alexa inside of a product, um, and that's becoming a, a bigger part of our business. So, um, yeah, that's us. Thank you for joining us today. Greatly appreciate it. With that, we'll get to the news and. The first story this week is one I think we're going to be seeing more and more of, and I'm glad to be able to lead off with this. Growing up with Alexa, a child's relationship with Amazon's voice assistant. So this is a very important topic to me. Um, my wife and I have a six-year-old, um, but also at the Alexa conference, the person who wrote what I really consider the definitive article on this, Melissa Campbell of the campaign for uh, the commercial campaign for a commercial free childhood based out of Boston, uh, will be there speaking about how she doesn't believe 
um, and they don't believe that Alexa is good for young children. Uh, separate side note, separate pl- shameless plug. Um, ben, I'm going to start with you. What did you take away from this article? Um, do you view it as um, a um, inevitable circumstance of the times that children are going to grow up interacting with voice assistants? Is this a positive? Is it a negative? Share with us your perspective as you took a look at this. Reading the article, um, we have a couple clients who have kids. Uh, they're kind of, intro- you know, they, they actually get introduced and understand the power of voice as a result of, result of seeing their own children um, interact with the voice assistants. You know, so these are like executives at, at um, you know, major, major international companies. And they're like, oh, well, how can voice, you know, everybody's talking about voice. But once they see their kid actually use it, they're like, wow, look, look at this. And, and, uh, you know, I know a couple of guys, um, you know, who are training their children to think before they speak via Alexa, you know, as much as there's, uh, you know, a, you know, a risk that, you know, maybe human contact is, you know, and, and, you know, becomes less or something like that. And people are just talking to the voice assistants for everything they want. But, um, you know, I was also, um, thinking about the positives, right. Um, you know, People are, you know, people's kids are being trained on, on, on certain things and learning. Parents and families are seem to be figuring out, um, you know, seem to figure out their own way to 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 have Alexa help them uh, and help their kid and help with the, the kid's growth. I, you know, I'm not so sure that it's all, you know, it's all like a dystopian scenario. Um, you know, and it's inevitable. I mean, um, you know, one of our clients, which is a big toy company, they're embedding all their all their products with voice, you know, so it's inevitable that people if they're not talking to Alexa, then the children are going to be talking to their toys in some way. and The toys are going to be talking back. You know, Katie McMahon of Soundhound um, and Brian Romley, uh, both uh, early guests on this show and some of our other shows uh, and well-known, refer to children coming up now as generation V um, and I, I need to start adopting this phrase myself um, in that is generation voice. The, the, the kids coming up are going to have the expectation of interacting with computers with, with their voice first. And if that's not satisfactory or sufficient, um, you know, slide, swipe, tap second, you know, pull out the QWERTY keyboard and mouse second, do something else second. And so, Stuart, uh, I will ask you the same question. What did you take away from this article? Is this all a positive? Is this all a negative? What, what should we be taking away from the conclusions that are drawn here? I would say it's mostly positive. Um, they made some good points in the article about uh, about the kids and the, and the the have you have to be careful about things. Now, for myself personally, when we introduced the uh, Amazon Echoes and the Alexa into our family, our kids were already in middle school, so they kind of had already been used to technology and that 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 way, but they took to it right away. I mean, asking questions, turning off and on our lights in the house because we have home automation stuff. We use the intercom throughout the house with, uh, with the echoes and they really took to it. And, and my son uses Google assistant on his phone rather than typing on it. He just talks right into it. So the article was good from the standpoint of, you know, kids are really being born into a voice first world. Like you said, that Brian talks about. And I think, you know, them saying that it's the fabric and foundation for the generation. It's so true that it's going to be that way as kids are born right into it. So if you think about it, I mean, people talking or communicating with a robot, which is essentially what Alexa is and Google is, they're essentially kind of robots in that way. People talking to them and communicating with them and that is like never happened before with that as far as, I mean, you've had Dragon Dictate and some of these things where you can do voice, but this is so new that it's, and the, and the article talked about it. It's like, we don't know yet what, how it's going to turn out. But, um, you know, I think for a, a young person that's starting out and they've, they basically start talking to this device, what the article said is if you're a really young person, and we don't have kids that young, yours is six, but let's say they are, you know, two years old or three years old. And they, they kind of think that Alexa is like a real person because they ask her name and they come out with things. So I kind of likened it like, well, they're still going to grow up and they're going to realize eventually that it, it is just a robot. It's a voice assistant, just like Santa. I mean, Santa, they think, well, Santa comes, she, 
he brings down the presents on Christmas and they believe in Santa for a certain period of time. And then they grow up and they find out, you know, okay, maybe not. But um, so it's kind of like that, that technology is going to get advanced, but the kids are going to grow up. So one thing I kind of was thinking about that I think will happen, Brad, is that these voice assistants will actually know how old you are. So the very young will have kid skills. And the article talked about kid skills. And and that's a whole topic that's really great is all these apps and and voice-based skills for kids. Those will start out when they're very young, and then they'll transition as the the child gets older, it can start talking to them as if, okay, now I'm eight-year-old. Now I'm a 12-year-old. Well, now I'm a teen. Uh, you know, I'm 15. So don't talk to me like a kid. So I think that's going to come over time where the voice assistants will know how old the person talking to them is and will adjust based on their age. So I think that's going to be an interesting phenomenon as um, people get older and start using these voice assistants when they get more advanced. Think about the future when someone could basically name their voice assistant. I don't want it called Alexa. I want it called Dennis or Denise or Amber or whatever. And I want a different voice than Alexa. And I want it to know how old I am. So it basically grows up with me. So think about that. Your voice assistant grows up with you. So it goes from being Alexa product from Amazon or or Google from Google, (laughs) you know, to this is my own personal voice assistant that I've known since I was basically a kid, since I was born. And uh, that's, that's pretty neat to think about. Yeah, it is very neat to think about. And uh, you, you touching on, you're, you're touching on a concept that, you know, speaking of Brian, he mentioned a long time ago to me, <clears throat> to me in the very first episode of the Voice First Roundtable that we recorded. And it was the idea that eventually, you know, in the not too distant future, children are going to grow up, human beings are going to all, you know, age, uh, accompanied by voice assistants and AI. And what will happen is that uh, your AI uh, that follows you, that knows your context, knows your age, knows your, your passions, your hobbies, your dislikes, your allergies, your, you know, your medical history, uh, your family, it will not only be able to support you tremendously in life, but after you're dead, you, it will have that context of you still. And it, it raises an ethical question of what happens to that. So that's one of my favorite things to think about. And, and you touching on it just reminds me of it. So sorry to get on that tangent, but you know, um, great, great commentary. I want to throw one thing out. I, I, the article sort of sells short the idea of, what these voice assistants can do for speech in children. Um, It doesn't even mention it at all. It seems like the author is just unaware, but there's been some studies already that have shown that Alexa improves the speech capacity and, and um, uh, overall vocabulary, but also the um, uh, speech ability of children. And the reasoning is that, and I see this with my six-year-old, you don't just go ask Alexa, uh, hey, Alexa, you know, play Taylor Swift. And if she doesn't understand you, she's going to say, I don't understand a word you just said <laughs> or whatever. And so then you have to try again and you try again. And so from, from the standpoint of enunciation, um, from, you know, speech patterns and things that have to be broken or, or words that are unclear that maybe a child says, the fact that there's a bar uh, there that elect that you have to overcome. There's a threshold of speech to where Alexa you, you have to hit for Alexa to understand you. Um, is actually a as it turns out a, a powerful tool to improve speech in children. Uh, this article doesn't touch on that at all. It does touch on one other thing that I will mention briefly. That just I sort of I don't know if it rubbed me the wrong way or, or, or what feelings I had about it, but the concept of Alexa being heard while the child is in the womb and what impact that has that uh, I don't know what impact that does have, but that's interesting for us to study. Yeah, I I think um, just from my experience with my son, I I agree with you as as far as if you have a smart speaker that's across the room and he has to tell it to do something or ask it something, you do have to enunciate and you do have to have, you know, that level of communication. But I find it interesting, though, Brad, that you, you talk about that because he also, like I was saying earlier, 
he has an Android phone and he'll just like put it right up to his mouth and he'll just say something. I can't understand a word he's saying, but the Google Assistant hears everything he's saying. He's practically whispering it and then it tells him the answer. So, you know, I think if you have a smart speaker, it's across the room and you have to enunciate. I agree with you from that standpoint, but sometimes he'll just take his phone and just kind of whisper into it. I'm like, wow, it heard you. But he he mumbles and, and my wife and I try to get him to enunciate and talk well. So it is going to be interesting to see how this evolves. I think the, I think the biggest negative is going to be people will name their kids, uh, not name their kids Alexa anymore <laughs> because they get confused with the, the wake word. But uh, that's already happening. That's probably already happening. <laughs> and people aren't naming their child uh, Google Assistant anymore either. It's <laughs> right. a bad joke. Right. <laughs> uh, excellent. Thank you all for that uh, commentary. We will move on to story two, which is a two-parter. 2A, Amazon patents Alexa technology to tell if you're sick. Story 2B from New York Magazine, I don't want my Echo Dot to be able to tell when I'm sick. <laughs> um, this is... Uh, this is a good one. This is uh, this is just another one of these things where you know Amazon is moving heaven and earth, you know, in their uh, journey to evolve voice technology and and get it out there and iterate on it, and people getting drug along, kicking and screaming. Stuart, I'm going to start with you. Do you want Alexa to know if you're sick? Yes, yes or no. And then what, what other uh, thoughts did you have when you, when you considered these two articles? Uh, yeah, me personally, I would say no to that, but I'm not opposed to the whole idea of Amazon, you know, working on this, um, getting it patented or trying to get a patent on this. I think from a business standpoint there, they think many, many years out into the future. So I'm not against it, you know, uh, from the from a standpoint of what they're trying to do, but I do think it has to be something that is opt in. You know, you, there just needs to be an option that says, "Do I want Alexa or the voice assistant, whatever it is, to try to determine whether I'm sick?" And 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 if and in the article or in the patent uh, application, they talked about not just you know telling whether you're sick with a cough and a sniffle and a cold, but also your emotion, whether you're bored or tired um, or down. And it's like, wow, that gets a little bit. Out out there. So, um, yeah, I would not want to necessarily opt into that myself, you know, right off the bat. And I think it should be something that should be turned off, but then, then maybe offered by Alexa, Hey, if you would like, we can, um, try to determine, you know, if you have any ailments and we'll offer you things. Cause that's basically what that they want to do. And then of course, sell you things like cough drops and so forth. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting, Brad, about this is they talked about the, and the patent said that um, the woman could say, uh, Alexa, I'm hungry. And then her voice would be punctuated. And this is in quote, punctuated with cough, coughing and sneezing. So then Alexa would know that since that person is coughing or sneezing, then Alexa would know that they could, you know, suggest them cough drops and so forth. But my question, I'm pretty, I use Alexa quite a bit and our whole family uses it. This whole question of is Alexa listening to you comes into play here because you have a lot of people who are very worried about Alexa listening to what you're saying and doing and all that. But Amazon is very, you know, um, very vociferous about saying, no, she's only listening for the word Alexa. Well, if that's the case, which I do think that's the case, and she hears that Alexa, when I say I'm hungry, I'm probably not going to have that coughing and sneezing punctuated with just that command because she basically immediately comes back with the reply. My coughing and sneezing is going to be before that, before I say Alexa, and maybe after it. So I, I maybe get into the weeds a little bit, but I'm wondering if this raises issues of, of privacy and concern. It's like, well, yeah, I coughed, but I didn't say Alexa, you know? So I don't know. I'd like to kind of hear Ben and yourselves thought about that because, you know, I talk to Alexa all the time and can she tell, maybe she could tell if I have, you know, a, a stuffy nose, you know, but if I'm coughing or stuff like that, that's going to be happening before the wake word and after I finish my command. So I'd be a little bit worried about that. And then this whole emotional state, it's like it can detect sadness and boredom and anger. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't opt into that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the, the, the patent itself, I mean, just from a technical level, people have been 
analyzing voice stuff, you know, voice uh, imprints for a long time um, to figure out what their emotional state is. Like even TSA, you know, now has like um, these things that kind of measure if you're lying or not, or if you're nervous, um, you know, I don't know if you've read about that, but so the ability to like know somebody's emotional state, I mean, from their voice, that, you know, that's, that's something that there's algorithms and stuff for. Um, and, you know, taking it to this level, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, the, the patent itself is really about the fact that a voice assistant can obtain it um, as opposed to the algorithms itself that determine it. Um, but um, I, I think, uh, you know, just uh, to answer your, your question, Stuart, like, um, um, you know, the, the cough or something, that could be a new wake word. Like that's how they could, they could program it, where it's an actual wake word. You know, if someone starts coughing, it's a, it can be triggered on the device and not sent to Amazon. Um, Alexa, the word Alexa, for example, is, is um, you know, determined on the device. It's actually not sent to Alexa. Um, sorry, sent to Amazon's cloud. Um, it's like on Alexa itself. Like that hardware actually determines if you've sent Alexa or not. Um, and, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think this is very cool. I think there's a lot of um, medical applications for Alexa, right? I mean, we have something coming out. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, I can announce it on the show, but it's called the May Day and it's, it's supposed to replace, it's an internal application that we're building here at Magic. Um, and it, it's supposed to replace like life alert, right? Uh, somebody just can kind of yell um, some keywords and stuff and, and it'll basically contact um, your family. And, you know, there's a couple apps similar to that out there, but, um, you know, this is, you know, this is kind of a pilot to see, um, specifically, we're going to test it with my grandma, who's, who's, uh, who's like a uh, house ridden right now and, and a couple other older family members. Uh, but we're going to put uh, Alexa in there and see if she can, um, you know, see if that's a, a good system for when she falls or something like that to, to notify her family members. Um, I don't know, the privacy implications are, are really interesting, you know, um, but, um, you know, coughing or sneezing or like, you know, something like a quick sound like that, that can happen on device on a technical level. It doesn't need to be at the, you know, at the Amazon's uh, cloud or whatever. Um, and it's a good way for, you know, not to, not to talk too much about this, but like, you know, it's a good, good way to serve ads to people, right? Which is, I think, what the article was saying uh, Amazon's thinking of doing. I mean, they're already testing the 15-second uh, audio advertisements, um, which is supposed to come out next year. Uh, which will open up a whole new market of media buying uh, on the devices. But, um, you know, having that technology with uh, an emotional, you know, somebody's emotional state at the time, you know, that's pretty powerful. I mean, that, and, and by the way, Facebook and Twitter are already doing that, right? They're serving ads to you based on, um, you know, what they, they think your feelings are at the time, um, among other things. So, um, you know, Amazon would eventually be right, you know, right on par with all the other social media networks, at least. <laughs> I, I just didn't, I envision somebody saying, you know, Google duplex, you know, Google assistant, um, call my boss and tell him I'm sick <laughs> or, or better yet, <laughs> Google <laughs> assistant, <laughs> call my boss and tell him I'm sick. And a Google assistant saying, why would I do that? Why are you lying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, then, <laughs> and then maybe they go ask Alexa and try to fool, fool her and then go to Siri and finally you know, Siri's dumb enough to where she'll do it for you. But it's, it's a brave new world we're living in. And, and, and right now, as I, as I told you all before the show, I've got a sore throat, uh, some congestion. And there's no doubt in my mind that if Alexa or Google Assistant were uh, listening to me on a regular basis, you know, maybe you hear I'm in a, a lower register. Maybe I'm not saying as many words as I normally do because I, I want to, you know, conserve conserve energy or whatever. You know, however they measure that. But uh, this gets into you know, a, something that is a personal interest to me. All the more um, scientifically advanced we get as a as a species, we're, we're beginning to find out that all of the outputs of our body, which certainly includes our voice, and it includes things like our breath, things like that, um, have hidden data in them. Um, and one thing that comes to mind, they just 
they're doing studies right now about how there's certain types of cancer that are detectable um, that dogs can actually detect on the breath of human beings. And um, it's just fascinating that, um, you know, human beings have been around for as long as they have. And, and only now we're, we're beginning to figure out that there's this whole hidden world of data and to the extent that uh, associated with our bodies. And to, you know, it's exciting to me that uh, AI and, and these voice assistants, which sort of intermediate for them, can be the gateway to that. And of course, the opposite side of that is how is this going to be used against me? <laughs> how is my boss going to use this against me? How is the government going to use this against me? You know, how are, how is my family going to react when they, when Alexa on the other end of the phone conversation says there is a 92, 92% likelihood that I'm lying about being sick because I don't want to come to Thanksgiving dinner or something. So, uh, you know, I'm fascinated by it. I, I'm glad y'all are as well. Um, it's, uh, I also totally agree that uh, everybody's working on this right now. It's a, it's a foregone conclusion that someone's going to master this capability of, of, you know, figuring out our emotional state and figuring out our, you know, stuff we try to hide, uh, you know, and just determining how to use our voice to figure out what's true. And, you know, it might as well be companies that have our best interest in mind. Hopefully they're the ones who figure it out first. I, I worry a little bit about the, you know, it's Amazon doing it or it's Google doing it. And, and those are the two companies. I mean, Microsoft's kind of has Cortana and you have some others that are out there, Apple with Siri. But really, if, it, if it's those three or four companies that they're the ones that doing all this analysis, that's it. That's about it. So that's, that's the one worry. Are they going to do, do good with it? So we'll see. You know, you're right. If, 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 to know you had a sore throat or something, um, definitely they'd have to uh, to store your voice print or something and, and compare it. That, that's probably how that would work. So we're definitely pushing the edges of privacy at this point, you know. But who knows? Maybe it'll be. Maybe maybe it'll end up being for good. We will move on to story number three from Adweek: How voice apps can help brands connect with consumers when they're really needed. Story 3A, Google Assistant adds Best Buy and Nike as shopping actions partners. I think, um, especially in light of some of the narrative from earlier this year about how voice shopping is not where it needs to be, um, it's not something that people do just yet uh, very much. That's sort of been a narrative that's unfolded. Uh, there was a major story, you know, I think over the summer that came out about that. Um, and that's just sort of weaved itself into the fabric of the conversation as far as voice is concerned. I want to ask both of y'all, and Ben, I'm going to start with you. In the, in the context of these two stories, you know, share, share with us anything that stood out to you. But I want to ask, what is the state of voice commerce right now in your mind? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, um, it's definitely a, a demand point, right? I mean, we're working with uh, Purell, um, which is coming out with a skill soon. You know, Purell, you know, wants to send, uh, you know, wants the people to buy more of their product, right? Um, I think certain companies it works for, right? And certain companies it doesn't, you know, usually replenishable goods, you know, you run out of hand sanitizer, for example, you got to buy more somewhere, um, especially if you're, you know, clean freak or something or germaphobe, you know, and so Alexa is actually a great way to do that easily, you know, uh, it's a great way to, um, you know, at the, at the time that you're feeling like you need more hand, hand sanitizer, not just when it runs out, but when you feel kind of, you know, if you're a germaphobe, you kind of may feel like, hey, I, I feel dirty or something, or where's my hand sanitizer? You can reach out and get it. And Alexa's there listening. And you don't have to deliberately go and go online and, and order it and do that whole thing. It makes it really easy. I think the state is there is a lot of, you know, th there aren't a lot of people discovering new products necessarily yet on the on the devices right i don't think people are shopping like that um i think they are doing i think most of the money which is about five billion dollars by the way you know even though it's only like five percent of total alexa usage you know again these are amazon numbers even though it's only five percent of total alexa usage um it just ends up being like you know a couple billion bucks which is good for amazon um but most of that's reordering things you know it's loyalty it's reordering um and it's people who have already developed sort of a, a brand loyalty. I think the next phase 
And this is something that Amazon's just enabled um, with, with, um, with the ability to, to handle what's, you know, we call it top of the funnel marketing queries, where somebody asks a general question to Alexa, and then it can point to a brand as an answer, not voice search necessarily or vo voice shopping through the Amazon platform. But um, these are skills that actually tell Amazon that they can service uh, people's questions about things. So in Purell's case, if somebody were to say like, hey, where can I, you know, how can I keep my kids clean when they go back to school? Maybe that question, if it's asked to Alexa, can go to Purell. And that's a system that Amazon's now implemented. Um, and so I think you're going to see more of the people discovering items based on general problems in their life. It becomes a discovery type marketplace as opposed to just, you know, here are my brands, I'm already devoted to them. I can reorder them on Alexa, but it's going to shift a little bit more to, um, to finding new things, which is um, it's particularly going to help with when these ads, like we just spoke about, um, you know, come online, uh, whether they detect if your, your emotional state or not. <laughs> but ads will definitely help with that. Yeah, I think uh, the first article in Ad Week was was much more broad and not so much so focused on voice commerce, but broad in the sense that um, they want their readers to start thinking about, hey, this is a, now a voice world. You've got the web, and, and that's been around for quite some time. You had mobile, smartphone apps, but the future really is pointing to more of these voice interactions. So how can brands connect with their consumers, their customers, or potential customers by voice? So, you know, they talked about you have to have a well-defined utility to really stand out, something that helps them, not just be an ad or say, hey, I got this, buy this. You have to have some well-defined utility. And that's obviously easier for some companies, like Ben was saying, and harder for other companies. I think, um, you know, they gave the example of like Hyundai. It's a car company. You got the Hyundai cars. Well, they could turn on your car by voice. You just say, turn on my car and turn the heat on. Um, all by voice. Well, that's pretty cool. That's, that's something that they add. It's like, hey, Hyundai has that. Now, maybe all the car manufacturers will have that at some point, but they could really get a good connection there. They talk about Kayak, uh, which is um, the trip and the travel company, online travel company, you could just ask it for, keep an eye out for deals from, you know, Houston to San Francisco around the November Thanksgiving time and let me know what you have. And it'll do that for you. So they give that example, which is pretty good because it's a utility. Um, the one that they didn't mention that, that I've heard, you probably heard this one also, Bradley, is the away mode skill uh, by an insurance company. Uh, I think it's Hippo Insurance. They basically came out with a skill that uh, when you leave the house, you can put it in away mode and the the echo will do all kinds of things to make it sound like your home and, and turn on and off lights and music and stuff like that um, and make noises so that's kind of cool and then that connects you with hippo so anyway i think that is that's very important for these brands to start thinking about can they build a skill or some capability um, they talk about email overload you think about how many emails are being sent by brands to and, and and subscriptions and then people are unsubscribing because they just get overloaded overwhelmed with all these emails so i think this is something where brands have to connect with these people and say hey try this because it's going to be people are not and one of the things the article mentioned is that people are not you know um, taking these skills and learning about them through the skill store. It's just not happening. So the brands themselves have to basically go out to the consumers and say, here, this is available now by voice um, or by multimodal, like the Echo Show and the Google Home Hub and the Facebook portal. It's not just voice, uh, but obviously voice is where it starts. So one thing actually we're working on is uh, voice surveys. So companies do surveys, and, and in, in addition to surveys, also reviews um, um, it go along with that. So companies and brands can say when they like print their receipt uh, when you go and do a transaction or when you get an email, because people are these companies are sending so many emails. Hey, just go to Alexa and open our survey, open Wendy's or open Nike, and it's kind of like a Trojan horse for them to get their consumers to talk to them by voice. So companies do surveys all the time now by you know, the web. People don't want to go to their computer, log in, and go to the survey and type all that. But they'd be willing to just do it 
by voice, by Alexa or Google Home. So that's a way they can get into um, the consumers and then start having a conversation with them by voice. Um, but really, that main article is just how can brands connect with these uh, consumers with uh, a, a new digital experience. Uh, and I really think the Echo Show, the Google Home Hub, the Facebook Portal, and the Fire TV is really um, a way that people are going to really communicate by voice in the future, because uh, that's really big. Now, the second part of it seemed to me was more just pure voice commerce and allows uh, Google to offer all these brands a way to get into um, their whole um, platform with these shopping actions. Because obviously, Amazon wants you to buy everything through Amazon, whereas Google's like, hey, we'll just partner with Best Buy and Nike and Target and UGG and all these. And they've built this platform to do the one-click, just like you have one-click and Amazon, Google is now offering that one click to all these brands and they call it uh, shopping actions. So that was that second article. And, and it's very smart, obviously, on Google's part and for these uh, merchants and retailers to get onto that because everything is all built in and you, it just the payment is all automatically and you can do replenishment. So it's their answer, I think, to, to Amazon's one click and Amazon's Alexa shopping experience. Ben, I'm going to go back to something that you alluded to, and that is the idea of the repeat buying, and that being the primary use case for Alexa and, and voice in general. That is part of the narrative that's out there right now. It, it, it is supported to some degree by data. Some, you know, I think VoiceBot's done some stuff on this, and there's been some other data floating around that the opportunity as it sits right now for voice purchasing and voice commerce is the the repeat buying of commodity goods so you know the purell that's a great example you know i need more purell um you know hey alexa i need more purell okay done the the challenge i think and something you know amazon's done so much well with their marketing um, and their promotion of Alexa and, and the evangelizing of what Alexa can do. But I do view it as a um, weak link in the chain. Something that they really haven't done right yet is showing like, and I think there's think back to a commercial they did where um, somebody, um, I get, I don't remember if they burned uh, a dish that they were uh, creating, you know, they were cooking up dinner and it burned and they said, Alexa, order me pizza or something like that. You know, they, they've done some ads where they've shown and demonstrated, you know, voice commerce and the idea of using your voice to order things. But what they haven't shown is when you, when you order pizza, what's going to show up and specifically with, as it relates to commodity goods, if I say, and I see this with my wife. My wife would use this uh, all the time, but you know, it's, I think it's telling that she doesn't. If I say, Alexa, I need detergent. So first of all, if I am saying, Alexa, I need detergent, I need detergent and I need it now because I just used my last bit of detergent, okay? So I'm not saying, Alexa, I need detergent. In all likelihood, I'm not saying, Alexa, I need detergent and I'm sitting there with half my detergent left. You know, I'm sure there's somebody out there like that that's like, you know, holding their hand up and saying, you know, that's not how I, I'm, I'm more thoughtful than that. But most people, including myself, if I'm saying, Alexa, I need detergent, I just use the last bit of detergent. So now I'm in a situation where if I say, Alexa, I need detergent, order me detergent, I am 100% relying upon Amazon sending me the correct thing. Because if Amazon doesn't send me the correct thing two or three days later, then I'm, you know, I'm screwed. I need, I'm, I'm going to have to go get something else or, or, and then furthermore, I'm going to have to ship the detergent back if it doesn't know what to send me. Amazon, I don't feel like has properly communicated to the marketplace that, you know, if someone says, Alexa, I need detergent, do they send you the last detergent that you bought? Do they send you what their AI computes that you need? Um, what is it that are they sending you the detergent of whoever just paid them the most money to be that person or that vendor? 
Did this uh, happen to you? I'm just curious because it's it sounds like a passionate subject. So I'm just no, wondering. but I've I've thought about this a, a bunch. Uh, no, it hasn't. Uh, but uh, I, I think all the time. I'm I'm really into voice. You know, my wife is hearing all this stuff. We use Alexa all the time. Totally. Um, why is it that my family doesn't ever use Alexa to buy anything? And I've started to conclude the reasons why, and this is one of them. So anyway, that's just one particular use case. But I, I do think it's something of note that if you're talking about ordering, I, I question how much reordering of commodity goods there are for this precise reason that because uh, when you reorder it, you are in a dire position of need to get that without any interruption so do people really go out on a limb not knowing how Alexa and Google Assistant will handle it? That, that's the question in my mind. That's an obstacle that has to be overcome. I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And that's, yeah, that's actually really insightful. Um, it, it searches your cart first, and then it goes into the search of the general. So if you have ordered it before, it should come up with what you've ordered before. And then it goes to um, Amazon.com. Um, items um, that are sold by amazon.com. So there's different vendors on Amazon, right? For, you know, for law, you know, there, even if you said tied, um, you know, I want tied specifically, it may go to amazon.com. Who's a, who's a vendor and fulfillment of the actual product, but it may also go to, you know, a third party that's reselling tied. Um, so you're right. It is a little bit weird, but there are, there's a hierarchy of uh, like a, a thing that starts with your cart and then it goes into the other searches and stuff like that. Um, so you should be getting it, you know, if you have ordered it through Amazon, you should be getting the one you get, um, if you do it through voice. Yeah. Good to know. And, and that's, um, that's just something that, uh, I, I should have experimented with it long before now, but that's something that I feel like Amazon in, you know, their marketing team is pretty clever. You know, that's something that they need to figure out how to communicate to the, to the, to the masses. Yeah. yeah. Your points are well taken and it's kind of ironic um, when I think about it, because what we do here in our household is we do use Alexa quite a bit to um, all around the house and we use it as the shopping list. But what's funny about it, Bradley, is basically we add stuff to the shopping list all the time, but it's essentially just a list in the Alexa app. And then I actually use Kroger Clicklist because for my quote unquote consumables, anything I can get from Kroger, I do there because it's already all in my my card or my history. And I just say, okay, this is everything I want. And one fell swoop and then it comes or I pick it up. So we use the click list for Kroger for all that stuff. But it is true that I buy a lot of stuff from amazon.com. And instead of asking Alexa to rebuy something or whatever, I just have a laptop in my kitchen and I just go to the Amazon website and go to previous orders. I search for it and I've got, you know, literally hundreds of things I've already ordered and it'll find that one that I've ordered, but it's not really a consumable. It's just, oh yeah, I need more of this stuff, but it, I don't know when it happens to be. So those are the two modes of shopping I do, but it's a really good point that you make because I hardly ever ask Alexa to reorder something from Amazon. I use the Amazon website for that. And then for my consumables, I tell Alexa to put it on my shopping list and then I actually buy it through Kroger. <laughs> so it's interesting. And I think my wife does similar stuff to where she may actually use Alexa to create a list and then go buy stuff from Kroger or Publix or whatever. Well, what's uh, nice about the list is our whole family can just tell Alexa, add this to the list, add that to the list, add this to the list throughout the course of the week. And then when I go to do the shopping, because I'm the one that shops in the house for, for groceries, I basically see everything that everybody's told Alexa to buy. And I make sure that comes this week in the shopping for the week. So it's very, very convenient. But the ironic thing is it doesn't come from Amazon and none of those products. And we we have discovered in our house that anyone can add stuff to that list. Uh, you know, it's always interesting to see what our six year old manages to add from lollipops to you know a bicycle or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but anyhow, uh, no great great comments all the way around. I think um, voice commerce is hitting some sort of plateau. It's just up to everybody involved that has a stake in it to power it through and, and get us to where we need to be. So uh, this is far from the final conversation on that front. Our final story of the week, story number four, it's our voicebot.ai story of the week, voicebot.ai, giving voice to a revolution, great news and commentary site for voice. Check it out. Behold, 
the smart couch. LG partners with Natuzi, I guess that's the name of it, on a Google Assistant powered smart sofa. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, the, calling something a smart couch is, um, there's some deep, deep irony to that. Uh, but uh, again, this is a sign of the times. Stuart, I'm going to start with you. Is there merit to the idea of a smart couch? Is this just you know, something that, you know, how lazy do we intend on getting? Uh, what, what, are, uh, what are your thoughts as you, uh, as you look at this? Yeah, I think there's, there's two things here. There's a smart couch that can do smart things and be advanced and all that. And then there's the voice component. And that's kind of what we're all interested in here in This Week in Voice is what's the voice component. And I think what the article is talking about is, oh, you can have custom seat positions. So based on you want to lay back or you want to sit up and read or whatever, you can tell the, the Alexa to say, set it up that way. And I thought that was a little odd because it's like, well, you could just have buttons. And when you sit down, you push the button. So I didn't think that that really had a whole lot of utility there. Maybe I missed the, the point with that. But as far as a smart couch, I think there's a lot of capabilities and, and possibilities. And they already have, obviously, some of this out there. But just thinking in terms of how, you know, because we're on the couch watching TV a lot in the evenings, of course, like everybody is. But nowadays, like my wife will be watching something. I'm watching it with her, but I want to watch the game. So I'll just have my tablet there and have the tablet there, maybe my headphones or not, and just watch the game. So I think it'd be cool to have a swing out arm to hold a tablet um, that would be pretty cool. We all have to charge our devices on the couch a lot. So I have actually multiple charging cords that are coming out of the pillows for one's Apple because she has an iPhone. I have an Android, so I need the USB-C. And so we have those. So I know they do have like ports for that, but it'd be nice to have retractable cords that just pull out and say, well, this one's USB-C. That's kind of nice. And then the other thing I thought about is a lot of times we're on the couch or watching TV. Well, my Echo is across the room and it's on across the room on purpose, but it's nice to maybe have when I'm sitting down, there was a microphone for my Alexa, for my Echo, that's kind of really close to where I'm sitting on the couch. Now, obviously, you can put your Echo there, so maybe that's not a big deal. But for us, we, we would like that because you know, our Echo's across the room, and it's like, okay, when I'm sitting down, I'd like to have it to be easily um, accessible so it always hears me perfectly. So those are the kinds of things I thought would be cool in a quote-unquote smart couch, but I think it's a little out there. And um, the seat positions, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what you and Ben think about the seat positions, but I just have to try it to see. No, I think, I think Stuart's insights were, were, were dead on. You know, I, I think uh, one of the challenges with putting the um, uh, Magic works with a couple companies in the kitchen appliance space, and we've tried to work with people, people in the furniture space, um, and the furniture space seems to be a little bit um, not understanding. Even mattresses, which I was really surprised about um, um, because – you know, some of the mattresses are like, you know, the, the beds that, you know, you can do certain positions in um, and uh, or massaging and stuff like that. Um, and even those companies were hesitant to um, to hook them up, hook into the connect, be part of the connected home, you know, which is really what this is all about is being part of the connected home. So everything in the house should connect. And um, but appliances, you know, like washing machines and, uh, you know, coffee makers, we're working on a coffee maker. We're working on a food processor, actually. Um, right now. Um, and um, one of the challenges is that if you don't hook into Google Home and you don't hook into Alexa or both, you have to create your own microphone system, you know, and it's actually harder to have a microphone system that accurately picks up, um, um, you know, everything, everything that like Alexa and Google Home is engineered, engineered to pick up. You know, for example, those, those devices have a 360 degree ring um, it's called far field mics. They're kind of expensive. Um, you know, if you put it, if you start putting them into products and especially at a mass scale, you know, your product prices go up, um, significantly. Um, whereas just integrating with Alexa and Google home, um, um, you know, it's quite easy. And Stuart and I were talking about that, you know, actually before the show started, you know, we we're talking about the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, smart kit, what's it called Stuart? I forgot, but, uh, connect kit. The Connect Kit, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, the Connect Kit, right? I mean, Amazon has this kit, you know, you just plug it right in and then it connects into the Alexa um, through, a, through a small cloud and you can set up the device via the Alexa, um, which is really nice because before that, before being able to set up um, a kitchen appliance, 
to Alexa, you know, you usually have to like use an app and you have to do authentication and you have to do, um, um, all, you know, hook, hook your system up to the Wi-Fi, um, you know, hook the appliance up to the Wi-Fi. Um, this device that the Ask Kit, sorry, the Connect Kit, um, you know, even does that Wi-Fi setup for you through the Alexa. Um, and so it's, 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 um, you know, it's really easy, right? It's really easy to connect into the Alexa and the Google Home verse you know, having a whole microphone system, but furniture, you know, is way behind in my opinion. And I'd love to see more furniture companies take advantage of the, of the connected home. Like the, like the article mentioned. If they can do it in a way that doesn't come off as gimmicky, Hey, it's all good. Right. If what they're doing doesn't rise above the standard of being fodder for late night comics or Saturday night live, (laughs) then they need to try again and try harder <laughs> next time. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I think the jury's out in terms of this particular product, but... Uh, it feels gimmicky, doesn't it? I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Not this product, but it just feels like a gimmicky thing. To yeah, have. yeah it does. And I think, um, you know, for something like furniture, either, to me, you, you got to be tied into the connected home, like you said. you got to be, you know, well-woven into the smart home, and so if you did something like that hippo skill away, which I did not know about, Stuart, um, you know, you, you trigger your whole home and you, you, know, you want your sofa tied into your whole home. Hey, OK, that that makes some sense. Or if there's a medical use case, these are the types of things that sort of cross that threshold of acceptability. But uh, just saying, Alexa, you know, recline my chair. No. <laughs> Or, or I tell you, okay, Alexa, recline my chair. That's fine, but I better not be paying a premium for that. Right, there you go. <laughs> uh, and I mean, even one penny over what that thing should co- otherwise cost. So, so anyway, you know, it's uh, we're in the stage of this technology now where opportunists view uh, at you know layering, you know, bolting on some voice. Uh, to be a way to sell a couple more widgets or units. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just up to Amazon and Google and, and, and to a lesser extent, you know, the other juggernaut companies um, to, to keep driving the innovation train so that stuff like this doesn't devalue everything um, and, and set it back. But, uh, but, but great commentary all the way around. I appreciate that as well. Stuart, Ben, Thank you both for being on the show, being part of This Week in Voice. Thank you for sharing your time, your experience, your expertise with not just me, but the audience as well. All right. Thanks so much, Bradley. Thanks, Bradley. For This Week in Voice, Season 3, Episode 5, thank you for listening, and until next time.